Hi, I'm Mike Allen, Head of Research at Zeus, and today I'm talking about some of the key themes that's come up in the first series of the Motor Sector podcast with CEO of Virtue Motors, Robert Forrester. Robert is a man who needs no introduction as the founder of Virtue Motors and has been operating in the sector since 2001 when he became CFO at Reg Vardy. Virtue had a robust trading update last week, which resulted in upgrades to our FY24 forecasts. And more analysis of this is available on the Zeus Research Portal and all good research aggregator platforms. Robert, it's a real pleasure to have you on today. Thanks very much for your time. No, it's a pleasure. It's always good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks. Perhaps we could start with the impact of EV in the sector, which has come up in various episodes of the podcast with different perspectives on this. There's no doubt it's a growth market in the near term, but do you think EV is the final solution? I'm so sure I like the words of the final solution. Um, I have no idea, and I don't think anybody does, uh, but it is the chosen solution. So the politicians across Europe and in the UK have decided that that is the way we are going. So we have to play with the cards we've been given, and it does not come without its challenges, um, electric vehicles. And I think you could have a discussion around the new car market for electric vehicles and a separate discussion about the used car market for electric vehicles. Uh, yeah. But it is it is one of the biggest challenges, I think, that the manufacturing and the retail side of the sector has got to face at the moment, actually. I think there are lots of ponderables. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And no, no doubt that it's grown in the new car market. And as you say, there's challenges on, on the residual side that we've seen over the last couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I mean, um, the fundamental issue is it's not a market-led transition. Uh, it is a regulatory ledger transition, yeah. which the market has been left holding the baby. Yeah. And albeit that the cars are fantastic, to be honest with you, and the range is yeah. getting better. Um, speaking to members of the public, and I've been traveling since Monday morning, um, I've spoken to a lot of people. Uh, people are finding them challenging on long distances. Yeah. And actually, I think part of the supply issue we've got, which is a significant, you know, massive increase in supply of used, of used EVs, is actually some people have decided they're not for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's compounding uh, what was always going to be a greater level of supply. Uh, the SMMT quite rightly highlighted in their announcement, you know, the problem of the ratio of public charging points being installed to new vehicles, electric vehicles being sold. And I think that is at the heart of it, actually, yeah. alongside affordability, you know, yeah. are we going to see economies of scale leading to price reductions, electric vehicles? I'm not overly optimistic on that one. Yeah. Uh, where the Chinese fit in is a very yeah. interesting debate. Yeah. Um, so I think there's lots and lots. You could you could have a two hour symposium on, on where we go with electric vehicles. Tesla have just done, I believe, another price reduction. Yeah. Um, I was at a dealership yesterday that had two used Teslas in stock. I'm thinking... Well, I've just lost the money on them. Uh, so, you know, do we stock EVs, used cars? Do we buy them? Are they with the bottom of the market? We did buy a tranche of used EVs a couple of weeks ago. We've actually sold quite a few of them. They're at a better price point. Um, it's a very complicated moving feast. And actually, it's different by brand. It's not even yeah. an electric vehicle issue. You know, there, yeah. there are very big differences by brand. Yeah. And I guess shifting to the used car market in general, 
um, you know, there's been a lot of confidence that general residuals will not crash in this market. Yes, volumes are falling, as, as you've alluded to as well, and we've seen that across well, the Well, I think in fairness, in fairness, I think that's a H2 2022 story, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think the market has levelled, if not increased. Autotrader are reporting high levels of, of web visits and, and leads year on year. So I'm actually reasonably optimistic if we could find the stock that sales would actually grow. The challenge yeah. is, is finding the stock, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that, again, is very specific to brand. Uh, yeah. Certainly, we're finding it more problematic buying premium used vehicles yeah. than I am finding volume used vehicles, yeah. actually. Um, and that's certainly reflected in our, our sales numbers. But I think we're, you know, we're certainly not, in my mind, looking at, significant falls in used vehicle values that is i just can't see a scenario yeah without some economic distress where that that would happen um yeah. and i think if anything residuals will strengthen because people having to pay more to buy cars and that is just a fact and and that seems to be by far the majority consensus that we just won't see you know much or if any residual weakness for the rest of the calendar no, year. I, I think even using the word weakness we're more likely to see strengthening yeah yeah, uh, yeah. it just it's not on the table i don't think the biggest yeah. one of the biggest strategic chances facing car retailers at the moment is finding stock in my opinion yeah yeah and, and just moving on to the agency model, I mean, that sparked a, a range of emotions across the sector. It, it's clear it's here to stay with certain brands, but I'm guessing it's too early for you to make any long term financial assessments of its impact. But are you able to provide any colour on the early stages of adoption and how that's gone? No, it's, I think it's far too early. And I think the the retailer impact on profitability is one thing. I'll be more interested because this is going to be a real test of theory versus reality. Uh, the likes of McKinsey's has been postulating that customers want this, yeah. you know, fixed prices, haggle-free, ability to do online retailing. And I think there will be some customers that like that. Yeah. But I think we have to see how this transition goes in terms of the mass, vast majority of customers. Yeah. Uh, and, and what do they feel? And, and it's way too early to make any degree of uh, comment on that. Uh, but certainly I was reading a. I was reading something actually in the used car, in our used car business about uh, customers keep coming in asking for discount. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're not giving any because I'm struggling to find the car. So why would yeah. I give the discount? And they're getting the ump <laughs> and not buying or, you know, not being happy when they buy because they haven't got a discount. And, and there's not much wiggle room on part exchange value either. Yeah. Uh, so we're almost heading towards fixed pricing. And and, uh, and some customers do not like it because they, yeah. you know, they see it as a bit of a challenge to, to get a discount. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a clear run as ever with these things, that customers are crying out for fixed pricing and transparency. And um, though conceptually, you can understand why they would. In reality, I'm not sure I know the answer. And we'll have to watch that, I think, because um, that that could be quite interesting. I mean, I did get an interview with a, a national newspaper recently, and they were arguing that fixed pricing is going to be live. If fixed pricing is going to give a disadvantage to agency models 
compared to the other manufacturers who don't do fixed pricing and the customers all gravitate to those and I said well can't really work can it to be honest the price of the car is the price of the car supply yeah. and demand has to interact at some point and the actual yeah. transaction prices have to bear some degree of economic reality but it was interesting that the, the national journalist was actually going down the route of saying customers don't want fixed pricing which yeah I mean, I, I, I think in the last couple of years since COVID, I think most of the, the better retailers, obviously yourselves included, have kind of are on the channel flexible and allow the customers to have their own customer journey their way, whether that's yeah. completely online or visiting 100%, the dealership. 100%. And it's also fair to say, if there was a time to introduce agency, introduce agency at the point at which new car discounting has broadly been nil. Yeah. Because actually, yeah. no, no real difference. We haven't been discounting new vehicles. That's why margins have been stronger for manufacturers and for retailers. Yeah. So what what is the change? Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's too early to yeah. comment. Yeah. Uh, the, the, all I will say is the world is definitely not as simple as the likes of McKinsey's like to make it out. I know yeah. that for a fact. It isn't. Yeah. Because no. we don't have one customer. No. We have hundreds of different thousands of people who all think differently all have different levels of digital prowess yeah. and, you know, are all different. And that's why you've got to give them the choice and give them the omnichannel choices. Yeah, 100%. And we're obviously operating in an industry anticipating rapid change. Um, what would you be, look, would you be looking to add to your ancillary businesses or ventures that you've developed? Um, we, we covered this as a theme in our note in January last year, but is there, is there opportunity to move into well, I think, might, I think yeah. there probably is, but actually, I think we've got a lot of work. We've done a lot of expansion, actually, in that channel of ancillary businesses. We have got a lot of work to do to maximise yeah. the opportunity in the businesses we've got. Uh, we've got projects on such as we, we've actually launched a new website for Vans Direct, which is very important to us. So that's just bedding in. That's been in for a couple of months. We're going to replatform in all likelihood a lot of our other online uh, parts and accessory businesses onto the Shopify platform which I think will be very beneficial, but is a big, big project. And we've further got to develop our um, smart repair business, which expanding into glass replacement, uh, dents, all kinds of things, ideas that we've got and actions to do uh, in terms of making sure that those ancillary businesses, which are highly profitable to us, are maximised. Um, and I also think from an organisational standpoint, we've just done the largest acquisition we've ever done. I am yeah. currently sitting here in Launceston in Cornwall, um, which is not a place I normally would go, but we've obviously just done a major acquisition. So our operational focus is yeah. let's get through this relatively rough patch economically, not a recession, yeah. not in recession, but let's get through that. Yeah. Let's integrate yeah. Helston. Let's maximise yeah. the opportunities that we've got. Um, and I think that will be our strategy for the rest of this year, I think, to be honest. There'll yeah. be some expansion, don't get me wrong, definitely yeah. some expansion. But I think I like to focus on the the proper stuff, actually, when, when things yeah. get a little bit tighter. Not that I'm overly negative on the economy, actually. I'm not. No. Um, no. I, I think the UK economy, I think, has done quite well to avoid a yeah. recession, actually. No, yeah. Um, interest rates are going up that'll have effect but doesn't seem to be having a catastrophic effect no. um, actually it does have an impact in terms of interest rates charged to you to car customers that has to be watched and it certainly doesn't help and I think overall in terms of economy I think the biggest impact and we're seeing and this has been going on for nine 12 months 
we've got big order banks, but they are coming down. Yeah. And the new card order take is relatively subdued, as you would have in an yeah. environment of economic yeah. pressure. The used car market always actually probably strengthens a bit, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and the new car is the, is the flex. And I think we are seeing that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I know you talk about the Helston transa- transaction and you've just acquired a decent chunk of freehold mm. property, which was unencumbered. Has your view on property changed over the long term? In, in terms of market changes, do you anticipate having less property or or more? Any, any no, I think we, we we want more dealerships, so we will have to have more property. Now, whether yeah. we lease it or whether we uh, own it, I yeah. think is a, is a moot point, and there's, there's yeah. checks and balances. And leases are fine as long as you've got some degree of flexibility, and the rent's okay, and the rent yeah. provisions within the lease are okay. Uh, Freehold, I think, gives you more flexibility yeah. uh, to actually do things, which I think is useful. But no, I, th- I, I think you've seen some of the disruptors really struggle yeah. uh, and didn't really know what their property strategy was, actually. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're now exiting, well, probably exiting full stop, but certainly exiting, um, exiting a lot of property. And that yeah. provides, I mean, you know, people will take opportunities from that. Uh, yeah. There are some challenges on the property side, and I know you had a good session on property. Yeah. Construction costs are very, very significant, and redevelopment costs are massively up with inflation. There is a, yeah. still a shortage of labour in construction, uh, you know, steel prices, everything's gone up. So actually, yeah. motor retailers making investments is increasingly expensive, and certainly with new bills, yeah. where you've got industrial land pressure forcing up property values, land values. It's it's actually quite tricky to make yeah. an appropriate return. You've got to you've got to be very circumspect, and we've put a lot of time into making sure the investments we make actually make some degree of sense. You've also got quite a big investment in electrification, in yeah. terms of charging points. In some cases, substations. Uh, last week we announced that we would uh, come out of our uh, smaller BMW Mini dealership in Moulton in North Yorkshire, and actually property was a big part of that. There was, an, there was a lease break in October. The rent was going to go up significantly. If we we're going to continue, we we're going to have to put a big amount of, into electrification, which in rural areas can be quite tricky. Yeah. Um, and and it, it just didn't make sense for us. You know, it's not very far from York and not that far from Stockton. So we actually thought that the right size in that sort of representation made the right thing. And we'll continue to look at properties and, and maximise it. We've got quite a lot of you know, property disposals really still, yeah, uh, yeah, still there to generate cash and taking a property that's not making any money or is actually stood empty and converting it into cash is a very, very good thing. Yeah, so it's it's very case by case, micro yeah, detail, 100%. really. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and just on after sales, I mean, you know, clearly in the in the context of the whole car park, EV cars is quite small. But do you yes. think there's a do you think there's a kind of short term pressure from from EVs in terms of lack of parts, oil, et cetera? Should, should we no, be we're concerned? Seeing, we're, seeing, we're seeing nothing of that. Uh, okay. If anything, um, electric vehicles are increasing hours, actually, in some places, because the reliability in some franchises and the complexity around hybrids, but also batteries, uh, is leading to quite, you know, dislocation, i.e. massive lead times in terms of getting the battery thing sorted out. So I don't think it is as simple as saying electric vehicles is going to, 
you know, lead to an immediate reduction. I think clearly, if you do the modeling over time, you get some very interesting things on electric vehicle after sales modeling. Um, parts content goes down on servicing, yeah. Uh, yeah. definitely. Not necessarily on repairs, because the battery goes wrong. You even have a big amount of parts going through it. Uh, yeah. If you replace the battery, and we do replace quite a few batteries, um, but what we see more labor. Yeah. And there's also quite considerable opportunity around tires, because electric yeah. vehicles have one more expensive tires and two seem to use them more because yeah. of the, the mechanics. So uh, I'm not negative about that. And I think as, well, let's face some facts. There's more people living in this country than has ever lived on this island ever. Yeah. So assuming yeah. they need to get about and they're going to use a motor car to do it, there's going to be yeah. a lot of cars around. Yeah. Um, and an older vehicle park, I mean, we've had years and years of low new vehicle sales, which actually means the park is aging, which means more yeah. wear and tear, you know, I think the fundamental problem in service departments at the moment, again, it's different by franchise, but you hear it more and more is. And I think this is, to some extent, due to new vehicle supply and lockdowns. We're seeing a bit less retail service work, which is the highly efficient work. And we're seeing a lot more diagnostic work, which takes wow. hours to do, hours to identify the problem and hours to actually uh, sort it out. And I think that's impacting efficiency within service departments, exacerbated by part supply issues, for yeah. sure. When it yeah. goes wrong, you can't get the part. I mean, you know, I had a customer complaint yesterday, actually electric vehicle, been off the road three months. Um, at one point, we had one franchise dealership, which had 50 cars in the car park, all the same model, waiting for a new engine. Oh, really? <laughs> and it just completely destroys the dealership. I mean, I ain't got 50 oh, car parking spaces. So, you know, after sales is, I wouldn't say under pressure, we're still short of technicians. I'm better yeah. than I was, but I'm still short of technicians. If I have more yeah. technicians, I'll be able to do more work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, the, you know, there's certainly no shortage of opportunities. No, there. not at all. No. I, and, and then just on the OEMs, I mean, they seem to be overcoming the supply chain issues we've had from COVID. Uh, they all move in slightly different product cycles, et cetera. But... You know, did, do you think they're over the worst on the on the supply chain issues? Yeah, I now? think they probably are. But I've got a number yeah. of franchises that I thought were going to come good in sort of March, April, and have suddenly announced that, you know, 20% of the product's not coming. And whether that's production difficulties or actually logistics difficulties, there's lots of talk about shipping companies moving ships to the Far East because the rates are better, and that's left Europe bereft of shipping to move cars around. You don't really know. But, there's the, the, you know, it's not a clean run. Yeah, uh, there was one franchise where we've just replanned, and we are going to get the cars. Just a question of when. But actually, yeah. I, I've shifted some volume out of March into other months because the cars are not going to get here when we yeah. thought they were going to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complex picture as ever, I guess. Um, yeah. And then just, just finally, if you were writing the Virtue Business Plan today, what would you change versus the original in two thousand and six? Well, actually, Mike, we should get the 2006 plan out and should just do, see yeah. how, and just see yeah. how we did. Um, I don't think I'd change very much, and no. actually, I don't think there's a lot of merit in intellectually going through the exercise of what you would have done differently. To be honest, I think the you know when we set out in 2006, we did not expect a global financial crisis in 2007 8. No. Would it would it have changed anything? Probably not. We still made money in 2008. I think we were the yeah. only group PLC to do so. Um, 
And I certainly didn't expect the government to forcibly close my business for three months in 2020 <laughs> uh, on the basis of some vague WhatsApp conversations, which clearly <laughs> made no sense to anybody. Um, so, you know, you, but you've just got to do your best, make the right decisions, have a team of people around you, challenge you to make sure you don't make the wrong decisions and just deal with things as they come. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And, and it's yeah. the same in every aspect. So. I mean, if you'd have said, to, if I'd have said to you, and, and we were working together in 2006, if I said to you in 2006, right, in 2023, which would have seemed an inordinate amount of time away, let's yeah. be honest, uh, we'd have close to 200 dealerships yeah. and 40% of them would have been premium. Yeah. Uh, and actually, over that period, we would have generated shareholder value yeah. over that period, which we have. Yeah. Um, I think we'd have taken that. Yeah, no, definitely, particularly from scratch as well, from yes. nothing. You know, I mean, that's a, that, that that's a big point. But uh, it's it's changed a lot over the last, you know, nearly twenty years. Well, I mean, it? I was I was worried at the start that you know what how we were going to break into Yorkshire. You know, Pendragon had a chunk of Yorkshire. Yeah. How on earth we were going to have? We didn't have a dealership in Yorkshire for years, uh, and now I, I suspect we must be one of the largest players in Yorkshire. Actually, so yeah. you know, things happen, things change, opportunities arise um strategic planning is actually a little bit difficult to some extent because you know as Macmillan said events dear boy events uh, and things happen and opportunities arise and then you've got to assess whether you want to do them and that's been our strategy um setting targets on outlets seems a complete waste of time to me <laughs> um you, you just got to run the business in the circumstances and try and make the best decisions you can absolutely great advice well, Robert, many thanks for your time today, and I look forward to catching up with you next week at our next industry event. Yeah, looking forward to it, Mike. Thank you very much. And many thanks for the listeners who have engaged with us on the podcast. All feedback is welcome, and we hope to launch Series 2 later in the year. Many thanks. This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, a designated investment business and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed.